Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, sitting in South Bend, Indiana, Ken Hellenius, and sitting across from me is an author, preacher, evangelist, and the executive advisor to the Lazy Boy Chair Company, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> hey, Ken. How you doing? I'm glad uh, I have time to talk to you after all my responsibilities with with Lazy Boy. But uh, <laughs> I'm really I'll, excited I'll, about the new products in which which I can take naps in, and uh, you know all those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, but that's always fun. I mean, it's nothing like a great comfortable chair. You know, after oh. hard work, you come by, just you just ease into that chair, just for all the stress, just just kind of goes away. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. Well, Deacon, you know, last week we um, had, we were able to welcome Michael McGlynn to join us uh, here on the show. And uh, we learned a lot about his background and kind of how he has discovered his vocation as a musician, a filmmaker, as himself, a, an evangelist, and one who invites people into a deeper relationship with Christ. And we are delighted to welcome Michael, back to the show. Michael is in uh, beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, welcome back, Michael. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys again. Absolutely. Awesome. As we ended our conversation last week, you began to talk a little bit about what you do now. So we learned about your time uh, growing up, playing football at Notre Dame, and then then kind of going off to do non-football things. So what is it that you're doing now? Well, so I'm... I run a company called Sistine Films and do about 70 films a year. About 70% of my clients are in the Catholic space, and then the other 30% are leaders. And a lot of times there's an overflow of, of Catholic leaders. They're, they might be doctors, financial guys, what have you, startup companies, and just helping them out. And then I have a non-for-profit called Face of Mercy. We started in 2011 formally to promote the message of divine mercy. The goal of, of Face of Mercy is really just to help people become confident in God's goodness, and that's what that work does in terms of you know, just uh, concert talks, materials, films, that sort of thing. But on January 1st of this year, we launched a, a new iteration of Face of Mercy called Adore Him Daily, and the mission of Adore Him Daily is simply just to use the power of story to promote the life-changing benefits of Eucharistic adoration. You know, adoration being an agnostic term in a sense that we're going to we're going to adore and follow someone or something in this life, you know? Right. And um, when you look historically over the course of Christendom, and certainly in complete Old and New Testament times, you know, it's always been the sin of idolatry that's been our downfall as a human race. And so adoration is a really beautiful means by which we begin to do a specific act, which becomes a habit, which becomes a disposition. And that disposition really is directed towards Jesus Christ, who himself is perfectly disposed to God the Father. So we're trying to get the story out on this and why this is so important for everyone to know about this and to take the time to do it that's willing and just use the power of story like Jesus did. No, that that's awesome. I mean, I, I've been saying in all my media in, interviews on Catholic stations, on EWTN, 
and to anyone that would listen, <laughs> that, that when they asked me, what what do we need to do now coming out of COVID? And my answer is always say, we talked about on the show before, is a Eucharistic Renaissance. You know, back in the um, 11th century um, was the, the first time that anyone denied that Jesus was present, body, blood, soul, divinity, the Eucharist. Everybody thinks it was Luther uh, in the 16th century, but no, it was actually uh, a deacon, sadly, named Berengarius of Tours in France who denied the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And the Pope at the time had him uh, sign an oath of fidelity. And actually, Pope Paul VI included in his document, Mysterium Fidei, I think it's number 52, paragraph 52, where he actually put in there the statement that Berengarius had to sign to come back into the church. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's Eucharistic Theology 101. And I was like, you know, and, that, and what that did was that started this uh, devotions to adoration, Eucharistic processions, which carried on for a couple of centuries. And remember, a couple of centuries later, it was St. Thomas Aquinas who wrote uh, Pontus Angelicus, Tanta Mergo, and uh, all the beautiful things, uh, 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 songs about Eucharist and devotion. And, and I'm thinking now that's exactly what we need in the church today, especially pre-COVID, you see the Cara Institute studies that show that 69% of Catholics don't believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, which is which is mind-blowing to me. I mean, how can you go to Mass and then not believe that what you're receiving truly is Christ, body, blood, soul, divinity? I mean, there are saints who died for that truth rather than mm-hmm. deny Jesus. So I think, Michael, what you're doing is exactly what the church needs to be doing today. So what's your strategy for attacking this? I mean, how, do, how are you going about your, your methodology when you're filming? Are you doing interviews? Are you doing history? Are you doing catechesis? Or is it a combination? Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. One thing that we've not had in this initially was a strategy. Because I was in Marytown four years ago giving some concert talks. And I felt that the Lord was trying to tell me something. And my uncle, who was a priest... Um, he built a gorgeous adoration room, and I thought, you know what, when I get back to Kansas City, I'm going to up my weekly adoration, which I'd done since 1998, to maybe a couple of times a week, and I did. And before I knew it, literally within a week or two weeks, I was going daily. And that was a big deal for me. And my wife at the time was working outside the home. I was picking the kids up at 3 o'clock, you know, doing dinner, that whole bit, and working for myself. And so my day was really compressed, and that was a bit of a risk, but I did it. And honestly, it's it's only impacted our life in a positive way. Well, what came from that, though, is I started taking pictures of this gorgeous adoration room and texting to friends and family going, you just you've got to do this. This is amazing. And I wanted to set up a Twitter account just to kind of like formalize it. And I didn't know how to use Twitter. I don't use it. And I called a friend of mine. And I said, I need a name because every name I came up with is ridiculous. And he said, give me a couple of days. And he came back. He said, how about adore him daily? I was like, that's amazing, because that's a call to action. So then I went back to the Lord, and I'm like, okay, I see you're getting real. <laughs> I need a tagline, and it came immediately, because he adores you. And that is the complementary nature of adoration. And the biggest thing I've realized about it is that it's not what we're doing. It's not the prayers, it's not the devotions, it's not the works of mercy and all the rest of this. It's recognizing what Jesus Christ did for us, and what he wants to do for us now and those whose care has been entrusted to us. All we need to do is say yes and follow, and that will require everything of us, but it's the surest and the safest 
path to eternity. It is the joy of the narrow path. And I am discovering that continually in adoration. And it's a story that I know he wanted to tap me to start trying to tell and get others to help telling. So we're using films to answer your question, Deacon. And we launched a, a platform, a fancy name for a fancy website on January 1st, uh, dedicated to uh, Mary, Mother of God, uh, because Mary is the first adorer. So there, there should be no uh, devotional discrepancy or concerns with people. Or devo- I'm devoted to Our Lady or the Rosary. Well, Mary is the first adorer. She shows us how to adore her son. And if you're devoted to, let's say, for instance, divine mercy, well, you are in front of the divine mercy. So as I was telling a friend of mine recently, he said, you know, Mike, I don't think I have peace. What should I do? And I was thinking about the rosary, and I said, wait a minute. If you don't have peace, go sit in front of peace. If you don't have purity, go sit in front of purity. If you don't have patience, go sit in front of patience. Because this is not something, this is someone. And if you give him time and margin, he's going to reveal himself to you in ways that only he can and desires. And that's the word we're trying to get out. That whatever that delta is in your life, whatever that dash is, whatever that incomplete piece is, give him time. He will not be outdone in the way that he shows his love for you. Because he's the only one who can do it. Wow. You know, as you describe that phrase, adore him daily because he adores you. I'm reminded, of course, of the of that story of the the old man who went to Eucharistic adoration regularly. And somebody asked him, you know, what is it that you that you say? What what do you do when you go to adoration? You know, and and, and he said, well, I stare at him and he stares at me. You know, and this idea of of just being in the presence of the Lord and knowing for certain for the first thing for certain that this is Christ in the Eucharist. That's the single most important takeaway, is that right here, I'm here because I am literally in the physical presence of Christ. And I know that that's what kind of animates my own prayer as I go to adoration. And how did you get started on Eucharistic adoration, Michael? I think it was when I was in Nashville pursuing music, and I had a deep hunger for the church and for the Lord. And I was going to daily mass, and I just would go to the side chapel and pray for 30 minutes, you know, after daily mass. And it just grew from there. But it really is Our Lady. I think Our Lady took me and walked me to her son, and her son walked me to his heart. And in this last year and a half, he's been walking me to his father, which I've always had a deep desire to be able to pray to God the Father in in an emotive way. And I now find myself talking to him a lot, which is incomprehensible. Like, I'm no one. (laughs) Like, I'm an ant. I'm a sinner. But the draw is there, you know. So it's, uh, and the other thing I think about too, Ken, is that I think of Tom, Jesus's words to Thomas, where he says, you know, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe but have not seen. You know, there's an incorrect thought that says my faith must be something that I feel. And yet that's not true because those are the lower appetites. But the will and the intellect are the up, are the higher, you know, those, those are the higher faculties. And when we choose to take time to humble ourselves and go sit in silence, even though it might be and often is difficult, that is incredibly meritorious in the eyes of God because it's, a, it's an outward act of faith. And that's what we're supposed to live by, is by faith, not the Mount Tabor moments. The, we were talking 
before the show about Eucharistic miracles, and there are many. But I often believe that, you know, Jesus said, uh, I, I believe, to the uh, monk who wrote the book, uh, Insinu Yezu, he said, you know, people don't stop going to adoration because they quit believing. People quit believing because they stop going to adoration. It's like if you don't spend time, you don't spend time with your wife, how are you going to love her? If you don't spend time with your children, how are you going to love them? It's the gift of presence. And people ask me, what do you do in there? And a lot of times I'm like, I'm not really doing much. I mean, four years into this now, I've become comfortable with just going and sitting in silence and going, I'm going to get a suntan. I don't know what I need. I really don't. And I say stupid stuff in there too, which I know he's fine with me saying, but, um, listening, you know, and of course, being a storyteller, and you guys interview people as well, I mean, being able to really listen, not just with the ears, but with the heart, and to hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I hear that clearer and clearer, you know, and one thing I wanted to share with the listeners today is that my experience with Eucharistic adoration, and let alone daily adoration, has been a lot of God revealing the beams in my own eye. I mean, this happens all the time. I'll wake up the next morning and boom, I'll have a flashback of the way that the last night went. And he's saying, hey, I want to show this to you and I will let you know that I'm ready to repair it. You want to follow me? And it's like, yes, I will. And it might involve me doing a repair with someone, maybe with one of our kids, going to confession, whatever it is. I know we talk about, and it's been discussed, you know, the the prophesized illumination of conscience that might come to the earth. I feel that I have those all the time in small ways, in ways that don't overwhelm my little humanity. It's Jesus's mercy saying, I want you to be ready when I take you, but I also, I also need you to love better in your life, and I'm going to help you because you're coming and seeing me every day. Those are the fringe benefits of, of being with the king every day. Yeah, you know, one thing that you brought up that I thought is important is the aspect of silence. We are very uncomfortable with silence in our culture today. And St. Benedict says in his rule that we have to listen with the ear, as you said, with the ear of our heart, which is leb in Hebrew. And it just doesn't mean uh, the organ that pumps blood through your body. It's it's the place where your desire for God lives inside of you, because that's where God can touch you and change your life. But even think of it at mass, right? I mean, I was, <laughs> I was deaconing at mass, um, you know, because I, I travel all over the country, right? So, well, all over the world until last year and a half. But <laughs> um, I, I was at a parish and, the, you know, the deacon said, you could do the penitential right. I said, okay, great. So he says, you know, as we gather here, let's call to mind our sins. And so I was waiting four seconds so that the people can actually do what he just asked them to do. And he immediately says, he started helping me. You got, you know, where's your part? I'm like, I know. I'm <laughs> After Mass, I said, Father, I was just waiting so the people can actually call to mind their sins, right? And you know what? First reading, thanks be to God. Ah, I mean, the response to our psalm. So the second reading, uh, after, hallelujah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoo, slow down. God is speaking to us in his word. He's preparing our hearts and minds and our souls to receive him again in the Eucharist. Let's <laughs> let's 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 just pause and take some time and just listen. And we're talking about the year of St. Joseph, you know, I, I talked to men about entering into the silence of Joseph. Joseph doesn't say anything in Scripture. There's no recorded words of Joseph. So this is a time, I think, in adoration to enter into the silence, because it's about listening to the voice of God and allowing that voice to change your life. 
So how, how do you talk to people about getting more comfortable with silence? Yeah, I love that topic. People will ask me, well, how do I hear the voice of God? And I do believe that it's something that we have to become comfortable first with the silence, but it's going in, you, you, you're probably not going to hear the Lord maybe every adoration, but you're going to hear him throughout the course of the day. You're going to hear him in your state in life and what you're doing. And it's, an, it's you know, I remember John Paul, St. John Paul would talk about, you know, the rosary marks the rhythm of God. And that when you, people that pray the rosary a lot, you kind of get into this deeper rhythm. You can be very busy on the outside, but there's this interior calm and, and recollection. And I, the same thing with adoration. I think adoration, really, it's a way of life. It is an, it's an interior disposition that's ordered to God because God has ordered it, and we've given ample room in our life for God to do the ordering. He does everything. He does all the work. And for a guy that, that is, you know, was trained to hit people and move people and move, <laughs> do these very physical things, you know, sitting in silence was not exactly what I had in mind. And yet I had a desire for it. What I've learned just in the last four years, uh, I'm trying to find more people in their stories because people that adore frequently, they have a presence about them. There's just a deeper calm. You're human. You, you know, things happen. But it's not what we're doing. It's what he's doing for us. And I think that's what convicts people to keep going because they're like, wow, I, my life is getting better. And because of that, the people around me and my family, their life is getting better because I'm more ordered and the Lord ordered it. He did it himself because he's the master physician. And this is what the saints say. I would love to read you gentlemen a quick quote. May I do that? Do we have time? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Please. All right. You know, m my opinion is great, but honestly, I've been <laughs> deferring to the saints because because of the just what they offer. This is by uh, St. Peter Julian Imard. And he was known as a, a great servant of the Blessed Sacrament and promotion of men and women in, in religious orders, two of them particularly devoted to promoting the Blessed Sacrament. This is, such a, this is such a complete quote here. Eucharistic adorers share Mary's life and mission of prayer at the foot of the most blessed sacrament. It is the most beautiful of all missions, and it is without danger. It is also the most sacred, for it is the exercise of all the virtues. It is the most necessary for the church, which has much more need of souls of prayer than of preachers, of men of penance than of men of eloquence. Today, more than ever, we want men who disarm by self-immolation, the anger of God against the ever-increasing crimes of nations. We must have souls who, by their importunity, which means persistence, reopen the treasures of grace, which general indifference has closed, closed. We must have true adorers, that is to say, men of fervor and of sacrifice. When they have become numerous around their divine chief, God will be glorified, Jesus will be loved, and society will be Christian, conquered for Jesus Christ by the apostolic, the apostolate of Eucharistic prayer. You know, St. Peter died in 1868, just within the shadow of our own times, and yet that could be written today. You're right, Deacon Harold. The Eucharist is the answer. It's always been the answer. And we need to share this good news with people because we're talking about everything that's going wrong. We need to start talking about what's going right. That's why I think our Lord tapped me and others to launch this Adore Him Daily so that we can start to get the story out. So how does somebody begin 
adoration. You know, like at my parish, for example, we had adoration throughout the entire pandemic, and it was it was a true blessing because in many ways, even when we weren't able to have public masses for that period, we at least were able to have weekly Eucharistic adoration. And um, and I'm actually helping kind of get it started again. You know, we take the summer off because everybody's gone and things like that. So we're working to get it started throughout the throughout the fall and, and winter and things like that. But how does somebody who's brand new to adoration, how do you begin? Well, I think you find a, you find a room or a chapel or a church uh, where you can begin to do that in a formal way. And the other thing, too, is that it's not really up to Father to get the adoration going. This really needs to be a work of the laity because we all need it. Now, I will say as an aside, the Lord did give me three prayers associated with this particular work of his, Adore Him Daily. One was the renewal of priests. We need to be encouraging our priests and religious to adore. Two was the restoration of order in families. And three was to begin atoning for the sins of our nation, which are grave. So those were the three pieces. And I believe our Lord is calling a mighty, a mighty but small group of adorers and friends close to his heart to do this and to share and bring others, not in bulletin announcements, but to invite people to come. And if you can't go to a, a chapel, if you don't have one near you, you can visualize the Eucharist in your mind and heart. Jesus Christ is not limited by any space. He understands our circumstances. There's no need to be scrupulous about this matter. But I do want to speak very openly here that if you're in a parish or a diocese where churches are closed again, we need to go study what our brothers and sisters have done throughout history. Get together and open up the church because Jesus Christ left of his real presence so that he would always be with us until the end of time. And there's no conditions for that other than he has adorers that love him and want to know him and serve him. Amen. Yeah, beautiful. Love that. I love that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then because people ask me that, too, because it's been transformative for me. I mean, I would not be doing what I'm doing now had it not been for Eucharistic adoration, you know, leaving 23 year in a, a public safety law enforcement career to go talk about Jesus was not an easy decision. And, <laughs> um, and, and sometimes I just I just go there just to be. You know, just to, you know, because you know, what does it say? Uh, how, um, Hosea 6, verse 6, I want a loving heart more than sacrifice, knowledge of God more than offerings, right? So the, the best thing we can offer is ourself, right? It's the best thing we can offer is ourself. And so just bring yourself there and say, Lord, I'm here, you know, um, <laughs> just, just, I'm here. You know, you know me, you know me better than I know myself because you created me. You know what's on my heart. Um, I just want to take my relationship with you to the next level. Or as I did, I said, I'm a clean slate. Draw all over me. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm a married man. I mean, before I'm a filmmaker and a singer and all the rest of this stuff, my most important thing in life today is being devoted to my wife. And adoration, without question, helps me do that. It helps me be the father that, not that I want to be, the father that God wants me to be. And that's that divine revelation that Jesus wants to give to everyone. I was sharing a number of attributes and just positive things that come from adoration. And I was praying about it after this talk I did. And the Lord reminded me, he said, that's all true. You know, all the virtues and that sort of thing. But don't forget, the greatest 
is that you get to be with me, that I am the focal point. It's not just the benefits of being in adoration. It is the benefiter who gives us himself in that. And that's really where we as brothers and sisters need to walk each other to adoration. Men with men encouraging them in private conversations. That's been the reality of my life. People come to the studio, they come in and pull up a chair and we talk about it. And I say, try it. And they start doing it. And it changes their lives. I have so many amazing stories I've heard. So again, um, from the bottom up, not from the top down, from the bottom up, let us encourage each other. Um, it's a specific act. It's simple and it will change people's lives. Yeah, that the power of the personal invitation cannot be overstated. You know, no no number of bulletin announcements and website updates and unfortunately even tweets are going to make a difference. It's that personal invitation um, because that's too when you get to be a witness. You too are being, you're being like Mary Magdalene. You're being like Andrew. Come and see. That's the invitation that you're that you're extending. So beautiful. Michael, how can people learn a little bit more about Adore Him Daily? Where do they where do they go if they fire up their old internet browser? Yeah, they can go to adorehimdaily.org. That's not OMG. That's inappropriate. <laughs> O-R-G. And there's a little bit of information about how we got started. We are going to be going into phase two here in the next couple of months and launching more films on the platform. So there's a link on the website that takes you to adorehimdaily.tv. And that's where we put our short films up. We will be launching a podcast as well and just doing the best we can to get the word out. It's a free resource to individuals, parishes, organizations. They can become a monthly donor, but it doesn't really matter. And we actually really don't want even people to hang out too long on the website, honestly. The goal is not to produce a million films and have people all go to the website all the time. We really want people to maybe watch, share, and then adore. We really want people just to be with our Lord. That's the goal. Amen. That is the most powerful and the most important thing that we can all encourage one another to do. So Michael McGlynn, thank you so much for coming to be with us these last two weeks. Uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to have you back in future and talk about uh, other exciting projects and things like that. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on and thank you for the opportunity to glorify the Lord, us collectively, to speak of his goodness. It's the one thing that I glean from St. Faustina's diary more than anything else, how our Lord's heart is so heavy because we children don't trust in his goodness as a good father. I promise the more time we spend with him, the quality of time, we will become confident in that goodness and we will come to love it. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, Deacon, can you uh, maybe offer a blessing that will get us through the week? Sure. I mean, Almighty God bless you and keep you the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M A T E R D E I radio.com.